Hey there, this is Jack, host of the show. I'm actually working hard on the next episode right now, but I wanted to play something for you to listen to in the meantime. I'm about to play for you a whole episode from the podcast Cyber, which is a show from Vice Motherboard that explores the highs and lows of the future. In this episode, two motherboard reporters explain the bizarre world of cryptocurrency scams and how to best protect yourself from getting ripped off when dabbling in the world of decentralized finance. Here, take a listen. uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. A strange press release went out on September 13th. Retail giant Walmart, it seemed, would soon be accepting cryptocurrency. Quote, the e-commerce giant intends to give its millions of shoppers across the world an opportunity to seamlessly make payments with cryptocurrencies, the press release said. It was bullshit. I mean, things just didn't sound all that right. There was no commentary from America's biggest retailer or the developers behind cryptocurrency Litecoin. Walmart said it has not agreed to partner with Litecoin, refuting a statement earlier Monday that sent the cryptocurrency soaring. Um, well, what happened was this morning I woke up and found out that Walmart is accepting Litecoin. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then it turned out to be fake. The world of cryptocurrency is rife with scams. Pump and dumps, fake coins, and massive hacks are the norm. Members of a professional esports influencer house have been accused of running a crypto-based charity scam. A hacker recently made off with 600 million in Bitcoin, and the SEC is investigating a crypto-backed fraud case that's alleged to have screwed investors out of billions. The list goes on and on. What is it about these digital currencies that makes them so vulnerable, and how do you keep yourself safe? Here to help us navigate the murky waters of cryptocurrency and its many scams is Motherboard senior editor, Jordan Pearson. I'm Matthew Gall, and this is Cyber. Jordan, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. So can we start with this Walmart thing? I know that it kind of broke this morning and it's an ongoing story, but can you tell us what we know? Yeah, I mean, well, we don't know much is the first thing I'll say other than the facts of what happened, which is, you know, this morning a press release appeared on one of those business news wires that says Walmart is accepting Litecoin in particular, which in the crypto world uh, was kind of immediately like the the bullshit detectors are going off because Litecoin is like a Bitcoin clone that uh, started in 2011. And, you know, aside from people like holding on in the hopes of like making money somehow one day, like it's essentially a dead project. Like the guy who created it sold all his coins like a few years ago. So immediately this is like very strange, but Reuters picked it up. Uh, I think CNBC picked it up. And eventually, you know, it turned out it was confirmed by Walmart that it was fake, you know, confirming the suspicions of what most people in crypto sort of intuited just because of uh, how bizarre it was. So, you know, Walmart put out a press release that said this was fake. Global Newswire, uh, which was the, the, the PR wire, put out something that said, journalists, please disregard this. And that's really it. You know, the, the price of Litecoin shot up by, you know, about a hundred bucks or something or about half an hour. And maybe someone managed to make some money in that time, but then just went right back down. All right. So it seems like 
every time I see a story about cryptocurrency right now, it is something like this. And I thought one of the selling points of crypto in the early days was that it was supposed to be more secure, maybe less prone to this kind of thing. Uh, that's absolutely not the case, correct? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think like this is sort of a, a point for people who are maybe like newer to the crypto space um, to sort of have, you know, potentially a, a tough lesson to learn, but a lesson nonetheless, which is like, you know, the cryptocurrency itself was not really at issue here. Like, you know, nobody hacked the blockchain or something like that. It's like, it's the same thing that affects like any number of other things in the world, including like, you know, penny stocks and stuff like this, which is, you know, some scammer uh, put out some false information uh, that got the public all excited. And, you know, there's some things about crypto that maybe make this more appealing, such as like transfers are instant. Um, so, you know, there's no one really to like, you know, block the thieves' uh, money moving in most cases. Uh, and this can happen really quickly. So you can make out like a bandit in a short amount of time and, you know, no one can in theory really stop you. But in terms of like, you know, the the scam itself, the pump and dump as these things are called, it's not really unique to crypto. But, you know, I think the reason these things are so popular is because of all the externalities that involve crypto, including like the internet itself, and like how things happen on the internet, the speed at which information travels online, like a lot of this creates a more friendly environment for scams. All right. So we've kind of talked about the pump and dump. What other kinds of scams do you see in the crypto space? There's a lot of scams. Uh, there's impersonation scams are pretty common. And you'll see this on Twitter where, uh, you know, right under a famous person's tweet, like under Elon Musk or under, you know, some famous crypto person, you'll see accounts that look very similar and they're like advertising crypto giveaways, but you have to send them some money first or something like this. Um, so these kinds of scams are rampant. Uh, and also just like, phishing, a lot of like social engineering, I would call it, that crypto maybe in some ways just makes a little easier for scammers. So, you know, if you're in like the discord of a project that's launching, you know, an enterprising scammer might throw a link into the discord that some people before they can really figure out what's going on, you know, click on it and send some money to it. This sort of thing like happens pretty often. But even beyond like the, the social engineering side of it, there's scams that are a lot more complicated and can be really hard for novices to see coming. Like there's a whole world of new tokens popping up every day on, you know, things like Binance Smart Chain or Uniswap because these places are like really cheap to create a new token. So you'll even see things like duplicate listings on Uniswap. So just trying to trick people, basically, like, you know, a new coin is launching. So some scammer will just very quickly and essentially for free create like a new listing that just looks almost identical and maybe will like gather a few people. And like this hasn't even really gotten into like the technical hacks and scams and what are called like rug pulls, which are extremely rampant right now in uh, sort of the emerging DeFi space or decentralized finance. What's a rug pull? So a rug pull um, is kind of like the next evolution of what is what we might have called an exit scam many years ago. This type of scan is often done by developers themselves. And 
it kind of is going on in this sort of roiling market right now. I don't even know the exact number, but thousands is a safe bet of like new tokens that are popping up because like I mentioned, they're really cheap to create. These tokens often have like anonymous founders are the norm and like really sort of like churning communities of like trading activity, thousands of people in discords. And in this environment, like the people behind the project can be a threat, basically. So what happens is the people behind the project, due to technical reasons, they need to maintain this pool of funds um, to ensure trades can happen on decentralized exchanges. So basically users contribute to what are called liquidity pools due to some like incentive that would uh, make them do that. And what happens is like developers will exploit some access they have that's baked into the contract or a vulnerability of some sort and just drain the pool, take everybody's money, tank the project, uh, and leave. And this is like a very common scam uh, right now. And other times, like they may sort of take advantage of what are called token burns. When this happens, it's when a developer is trying to like reduce the supply of tokens in circulation, in theory, making the price higher of all the remaining tokens by sending them to a dead end address, which is like an address that's like dead. It might even have like OXOO dead on the end, just so you know it's not someone's real address. But, you know, in reality, they might be like sending it to themselves if you're not careful. And often these kinds of scams just end in like total project abandonment. So like this is the type of thing that people have to look out for when they're sort of exploring the deeper, more dangerous waters of the crypto market right now. As someone that would want to get involved in the crypto market, you know, there are the big names. There's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum. Why would you ever get involved in a new and upcoming coin? Because it, it, it just sounds like your chances of getting screwed over are pretty good. What's the incentive? Yeah, well, you're, for sure, you're exactly right. The incentive, I think, is just money, really. Like Everyone is seeking just like eye-popping returns. One way that you can make money in this space is kind of like, you know, invest in Bitcoin, buy some here and there. But like that, that's almost like buying the index fund at this point in terms of like safety. Um, but like if you want real returns, what you can do is like drop a few thousand dollars into like a token that's worth like 0. 0.0025 cents. And then, you know, if that goes to like 50 cents a token, all of a sudden you've made like a wild amount of money. Um, so really chasing that kind of return uh, is why people do this. And it comes with like a lot more risk just by like, you know, the nature of a lot of these projects and the market. Yes, it sounds like a lot of people trying to chase the dream of having invested in Bitcoin when it first started, right? Yeah, I think that that's probably like a decent way of looking at it. Like those days are gone. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing now. Um, all right, is it possible to participate in this market right now without getting scammed? Yeah, I think definitely, definitely. I mean, that's not to say you won't get unlucky or make bad decisions or lose all your money, but you know, definitely you can you can do it without getting scammed. Strictly speaking, you know, I think if you stick to like the big names, like. I mean, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, like these like huge coins and buy through like, you know, reputable services. I, I think you're pretty unlikely to get scammed, like get taken by a scammer. But like if you're delving more into the sort of the more risky waters, 
Uh, you can also protect yourself by doing research on projects, who's behind them. Uh, you know, you can see if the code has been audited by one of these businesses that like audits code uh, for these projects. Probably the best way is if you're technical is to look through the contract code yourself. And even if you're not technical, like someone else may have already done it for you and posted about it online. So you can definitely do that and just basically do your best to do your due diligence. But like, I mean, obviously it always comes with like a degree of risk. All right. So who typically benefits from investing in the crypto market? Is it usually big players and then people that set up the coins themselves? I mean, I think uh, you'll find a lot of stories of people who've invested any amount, you know, making money in addition to finding a lot of stories of people who've invested any amount, you know, losing it all. But as I sort of mentioned before, like it's really all about like really massive returns. So as in terms of who in benefits most, like definitely the whales, um, you know, people who invest like just a shit ton of capital into this. So when it doubles, um, which is possible or triples, you know, they've not doubled or tripled a few thousand dollars, but like a few million or like many millions of dollars. So like this ratchets up to like a really, really crazy scale. And the whales like in Bitcoin are like absolutely massive and like really out of scale with like some of the other players that are trying to get into it now. Like if you look at El Salvador, like you have El Salvador bragging about how they have a few hundred Bitcoins that they bought, you know, maybe a couple hundred more. But then you have like MicroStrategy, a company that invests in Bitcoin and just bought like a few thousand more Bitcoins to add to their already gigantic pile. So like they're going to be the real winners, like if it increases, like these whales that have like literally thousands and thousands of Bitcoins. To buy that today is just not possible for like even a country. So another question I have here is a lot of these stories, it reminds me of the early days of the stock market and the, the kind of the birth of finance capital, you know, things like the South Sea bubble, that kind of stuff. You know, we can argue about how well it's gone, but these financial institutions and markets get regulated and scams become less prevalent. So over the past few years, we've seen this huge push to legitimize the market. Do you think that that's even possible? I guess it depends on what you mean by legitimize. If you mean like, you know, get rid of all scammy projects or like the possibility of scams, like I think you're talking about regulating on like a massive scale that we are probably unlikely to see. I mean, in terms of like, you know, Bitcoin, like I would say it's pretty much on track to being, you know, quote unquote legitimized, if not already. Like, you know, it's mentioned in the infrastructure bill. Coinbase is a publicly traded company with a massive IPO. Like, you know, this stuff has been around for more than a decade, uh, probably isn't going away. And in general, like just personally, I see a societal trend towards legitimizing forms of gambling more generally not like not coincidentally as like precarity is at an all-time high along with the wealth gap in society everyone is chasing huge returns and even if you're already like super wealthy you may just want to maintain this kind of like escape hatch for your money for whatever reason and bitcoin can be that like i see a lot of reasons for this to stick around and for people to have incentives to buy in so, like, I definitely do see, like, you know, Bitcoin and some, maybe maybe some of the other larger names, I'm not sure, be quote-unquote legitimized. But I think there probably is always going to be, like, 
um, this like scammy fringe of Bitcoin. Like I, I don't see how you can like really totally get rid of it. Well, I, that, that begs a few other questions, but I want to ask them in a slightly different format. We're about to go into Cypher. Jordan, will you join me on the other side of this ad break? Yes, I will see you there. Welcome back, everyone. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cypher. It's that wonderful part of Cypher where we decipher the week's biggest tech stories. Jordan is sticking around because he wrote a lot of really incredible cryptocurrency stories in the past week that I want to talk about that I really think fit this theme that we're going for today. And the first is about Coinbase, which you just mentioned. Um, Coinbase goes nuclear after SEC threatens to sue over crypto loans. What is going on here, Jordan? First of all, I guess... What is Coinbase? So Coinbase is a cryptocurrency exchange that, you know, has been around for a while, was kind of like among the OG crop of uh, cryptocurrency exchanges and recently went public. It's publicly traded, had a massive IPO. So it's like, you know, kind of like blue chip Silicon Valley uh, company um, that's a cryptocurrency exchange. So in a lot of ways, it's sort of like the, the flagship for the industry. In the U.S. anyway. All right. And why is the SEC going after them? So apart from all this like other stuff we've already talked about on this episode, there's this whole other thing going on called like cryptocurrency loans. There's billions of dollars locked up in cryptocurrency loans already. And the way that this works is basically, you know, some service BlockFi is a really big one. Um, they, they offer something called the BlockFi, uh, interest account. So similar to like your bank account, like a savings account where you're depositing money into a savings account and the bank is essentially, you know, lending that money out, uh, and giving you interest, you know, because you were nice enough to like lend the money. And this is, you know, that money's protected by federal insurance, basically. So cryptocurrency loans have sort of taken this idea. And so you, you know, you lock up some of your cryptocurrency in this account, they loan it out to whoever, and you get a return on the on the money that you've deposited. And like basically these returns are much, much higher than you would get with uh your bank account. Like much higher. So Coinbase wants to get into this, and the SEC basically said, no way. They threatened to sue Coinbase if they launched this. Apparently, they've been talking about it for like six months, but Coinbase sort of decided to go ahead anyway, up until they were threatened uh, with a lawsuit if they actually launched it. And, you know, they're kind of like, oh, we don't understand how this could be a security. Like, we, we don't, like, what is a security type vibe? <laughs> like, we don't even know. They didn't actually say that, but like, they're kind of like pleading ignorance on this. And yeah, that's really where it's at. Like they've gone public essentially with a regulatory fight uh, with the SEC in order to launch uh, these crypto loans. And by the way, like three state regulators within the last couple of months all came out and were like, these are securities. BlockFi is offering unregulated securities in our jurisdiction and you have to stop. Um, and that's the exact same product that Coinbase wants to launch. 
which is like crazy when you think about it because like Coinbase is a huge company so you can just imagine like thousands or millions of Americans uh you know locking up their life savings or however much in like an uninsured interest account because these crypto loans in Coinbase are not insured like your savings account is and then lending it out to whoever and like you know what could really go wrong in that situation do you have any money tied up in crypto jordan i actually don't and never have despite my many years of reporting on it interesting just want to flag that for the audience um okay so the next story we we talked about el salvador just a minute ago McDonald's is accepting Bitcoin in El Salvador as cryptocurrency becomes its official currency. Jordan, what is going on in El Salvador? So El Salvador recently became the first country in the world to make Bitcoin an official currency. So El Salvador, for about 20 years, its currency has been the U.S. dollar, which means that you know El Salvador doesn't set its own monetary policy. The U.S. Fed sets El Salvador's monetary policy. Until recently, you know, their new president, who's a a young guy, he's like 40, his administration is embroiled in numerous corruption scandals. Um, He's, you know, kind of Trumpian in how he like sort of denigrates the media. So he has sort of pushed through this Bitcoin law, which makes debts in El Salvador payable in Bitcoin. Any business um, that is technically able to uh, you know, has to accept Bitcoin. And the government has released its own Bitcoin wallet. And anyone who signs up for it um, is given $30 in Bitcoin. This has been pretty controversial there. Like there's a lot of like protests about it. But also places like McDonald's have started accepting Bitcoin, which is like pretty wild from, I guess, like a Bitcoin history perspective. Like McDonald's, one of the largest corporations in the world, you know, you can go there in El Salvador and pay for your, you know, your food in Bitcoin. That's been one of the effects there. That's so funny to me because the price of Bitcoin, correct me if I'm wrong, is so unstable. I remember Steam was like an early adopter. And then I think in 2017, they stopped accepting it, saying the transaction fees were too high. And, you know, it just the price fluctuates too much. Did like, is that still kind of the case? That is definitely the case. Like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, like a couple months ago, that Bitcoin, like its price reduced by half, like 50%, um, which is not good if you're someone who's depending on some stability there. But, you know, I almost think like Bitcoin's issue here has sort of flipped in terms of whether it is or isn't um, a good way to pay for things in your daily life. Like before, it might be that like, you know, people were worried about Bitcoin's price dropping and businesses were like, oh man, um, you know, we just lost a bunch of money then if we, if we accepted Bitcoin. But I think the issue now is almost like, I think if you asked most Bitcoiners, like, would they want to part with their Bitcoin for pretty much anything? They would say no, because like the narrative has just changed so much from the days when people were talking about Bitcoin as a way to pay for like a cup of coffee or something like that. Like now it is in my mind, it is definitely seen as like a speculative investment. And for example, like let's say today you paid $5 in Bitcoin for a coffee. Well, in a week, maybe it turns out you paid $10 for that coffee because Bitcoin doubled in price. Like there's an incentive to like not give it away in exchange for like goods and services. 
because of its like current nature as like a speculative asset. So it's a weird place to be in, historically speaking. I'm sure there will be no unforeseen consequences to all of that. All right, let's let's go out on this very quickly. This is something we wrote back in July, you and I. But I, I but I really wanted to let this be the last word for this episode. Dogecoin co-creator says crypto is right wing hyper capitalist. Jordan, what is Dogecoin and what is its founder talking about? A lot of people listening to this probably already know what it is, but Doge is a cryptocurrency that's like loosely based on like Bitcoin in some way. Basically, it was started as a essentially a joke uh, by this guy uh, Jackson Palmer and his co-creator, and it was it was like the original meme coin. Basically, like you could you you could like tip people on Reddit and Doge. Its mascot was a Shiba Inu meme dog, um, and it's sort of trundled along over the last few years uh, with a lot of highs and lows. But basically, the, its co-creator, uh, Jackson Palmer, he sort of ghosted and like completely exited the space uh, a few years ago and really like disavowed his own creation and like cryptocurrency in general. Like one of the last things he said before he left was basically like, you know, Doge is suddenly worth a lot of money and like this is like everything wrong with the cryptocurrency market. So he came back, like he he came back on Twitter and sort of just let out this um, this uh, tweet thread that was sort of out of nowhere and immediately went viral. Um, where yeah, he uh, he let his his thoughts on crypto be known, which is as you said, uh, he sort of wrote it off as like right wing, uh, this right wing hyper capitalist thing. Jordan, thank you so much for sticking around through Cipher and walking us through all these uh, all the highs and lows of the crypto market. Anytime. <laughs>